It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Three significant Eagles players are starting the week as new injuries on the practice report, while Washington may be getting healthier than it's been all regular season. That and more coming up on this episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to this episode of Locked On Commanders Daily Podcast, covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day, or maybe your last listen of the day every day if you're listening or watching this episode as it drops Wednesday evening, a little bit of a later day because I had to do a lot of research. I reached out to some people, talked to some people that are a little bit smarter than I am to make sure that I give you the best answers I could for your mailbag questions. And I think that I got there. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by texting me directly as a Locked On Commanders insider. Just go to jointsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. And then just like that, you'll be texting me during games, practices, press conferences, everything after and uh, before and in between. It is your one-stop connection to me, your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at DHarrison82, credential member of the media, covering the Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's show, we're diving into everything offensive line, including ideas for helping reduce pressure and taking accountability for poor performances. But we're going to start off today's episode like we do every Wednesday, looking at the initial practice reports for the week. Week four, Washington Commanders, 2-1, and one, heading to the Philadelphia Eagles, 3-0. and oh. The Philadelphia Eagles were undefeated in the regular season the last time the Washington Commanders came in to the link, and the Washington Commanders left the link with that winning streak in their bag, uh, mounted it on the wall, uh, and did all those good things with it. And by and large, it was done by controlling the clock, controlling the game, running the ball. And that is going to be a big topic of conversation this week. Already has been a big topic of conversation this week, and uh, we'll continue to do so. But looking at the commander's practice report for Wednesday, no players not participating. That is beautiful news. You always want to hear nobody was on the DNP list for the practice. Uh, Limited, however, safety, Percy Butler, was limited in practice on Wednesday with a foot injury. Running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. was limited due to an illness. Tight end Logan Thomas was limited due to a concussion. More on Logan Thomas here in just a minute. Full participants, but listed with injuries. Cornerback Emmanuel Forbes with an elbow injury and cornerback Benjamin St. Juice with a neck injury. So both of those guys, full participants. It is a little bit concerning to have cornerbacks, two cornerbacks, especially two of your top cornerbacks on this injury report. But again, both were full participants. So that, of course, is promising. For the Eagles, 
They did not actually practice on Wednesday coming off the Monday night game in Tampa, Florida, win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did not practice Wednesday, but they did have a walkthrough. And so they had a simulated practice report based on how they feel their players would have participated had it been a full-blown practice, not participating. Safety, Sidney Brown due to a hamstring injury. Safety, Justin Evans due to a neck injury. And wide receiver, Quez Watkins due to a hamstring injury. Limited in the practice. Wide receiver, Britton Covey for the, with a hamstring injury. Defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox with a knee injury. Linebacker, Zach Cunningham with a ribs injury. Offensive lineman, Cam Jurgens with a groin injury. Full injury or full participants, but on the injury report. Offensive lineman Landon Dickerson with a knee injury and running back Boston Scott with a concussion. Again, this was an estimated practice report by the Philadelphia Eagles. They conducted a walkthrough on Wednesday, did not do a full practice. But let's start with this. The Philadelphia Eagles come out on Monday night. First practice report of the week with one, two, three, four, five, six new injuries to add to their practice report versus what they ended the last week with before they headed into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And they're doing this on a short week. Yeah, it's a Monday night football game, so it's not a super short week, but it's still a relatively short week. Now, Wednesday reports are a little bit tricky. And honestly, Landon Dickerson with the knee, that's a new injury. You can pretty much, you know, any, any, you don't hope injury, right? But any hopes that he may not be able to play and therefore the competition would be a little bit more uh, leaning towards Washington side can pretty much go away because he would he would have been, quote unquote, a full participant anyway. So pretty confident he's going to be available. Boston Scott, the concussion kept him out of the Monday night game, but he's a full participant. You can pretty much count on him being available as well. As far as guys who are limited, Britton Covey, punt returner, did some damage against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. So the fact that he was limited in practice with a hamstring injury, still limited on Wednesday, usually means you're probably going to be okay outside of any aggravations. And hamstrings are a tricky thing to deal with, especially when you're a return specialist and you rely on those fast twitch muscles uh, muscles a lot, just like Covey does. So it is something worth monitoring, but likely he's going to be okay. Fletcher Cox is interesting because the knee injury is new this week for the Philadelphia Eagles. He did have uh, an injury that put him on the practice report last week, but it was a different injury. So the knee injury here, Fletcher Cox is not a spring chicken, guys. He's a little bit older. So if these injuries start to compound, it could put him on a snap count, could possibly put him out of the game. Again, he's limited on Wednesday, which is a good sign for him playing uh, on, on Sunday, but something to keep an eye on. Uh, offensive lineman Cam Jurgens with the groin is also new. Zach Cunningham was on the injury report last year with the ribs injury or last week with the ribs injury on it again. So that's probably not going to be a big deal. The guy's not practicing. Sidney Brown with a hamstring, Justin Evans with a neck injury, two safeties in this secondary. That's incredibly uh, important to monitor going into Thursday, going into Friday, see if either of those guys or both of those guys practice. Both of those are new injuries coming into this week versus last week. And then wide receiver Quez Watkins missed Monday night due to the hamstring injury. Still not practicing due to that hamstring injury. So again, keep an eye on those guys uh, potentially missing time for the Philadelphia Eagles. For the Washington Commanders, the big news obviously is Logan Thomas, right? We didn't see him at practice at all before the Buffalo Bills game. But not only was he out of practice on uh, on Wednesday, but he was in pads, he was in his helmet, he did not have a non-contact jersey, and then he was limited, which is perfectly fine. Basically what it tells you is that he is in week four, week four, phase four or better of concussion protocol. Phase five is you're cleared, right? So he's in the step right before the step where you get cleared. And basically if he can get through a full practice or he can get through these practices without uh, symptoms showing up, then he will be cleared for the game on Sunday. Being a limited participant, I mean, concussions are tricky. You can't really predict them, but being a limited participant on Wednesday with no non-contact in, uh, jersey on, certainly promising that Logan Thomas may be available Sunday to face off against the Philadelphia Eagles. And they can certainly use him because they need to use more tight ends. 
That's how we're going to crack open this mailbag. We're going to talk about what every Washington fan is talking about right now, fixing the offensive line. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Broncos running back Devontae Williams has gotten a healthy 48 opportunities in the first three games, but so far he's managed only 180 scrimmage yards and zero TDs during the team's 0-3 start. Expect the volume to finally convert into true fantasy production for Williams as Denver gets the wilting Bears defense in Chicago in Week 4. The Bears have given up plenty of overall yardage and scoring juice to backs throughout the first three weeks, and Williams will be the latest to take advantage as a runner and outlet receiver. Also, Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley has the classic rebound and revenge opportunity in London in the Week 4 Sunday matchup against his former team, the Falcons. Ridley has been very quiet with Jacksonville's passing game, slumping the past two weeks, but he will return more to his stellar Week 1 debut form for his new team. The Jaguars will do a better job of scheming him open across the pond and making his massive target volume from Trevor Lawrence count big time again. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And the same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit only available U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks again for being a Lockdown Commanders. Your first listen today and every day and every day. Thank you again for coming through on a consistent basis like you do, making uh, this the, the best part of my football journey so far in my eight, nine years of covering uh, NFL football. So I greatly appreciate you. Time to crack open the mailbag. Uh, the mailbag was very uh, thema- thematic, was, was very themed this week. We got more than a few questions on YouTube and from insiders, especially asking about how scheme and play calling can help the offensive line. Uh, there are a few ways the scheme, the scheming can help, and 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 the main one is adding more protection, right? That's that's a simple answer. You need more protection, add more protection. Um, and so that's where we're going to start this conversation with. We've talked about the scheme being able to help pass protection uh, in the past. We've never really done, I, I guess, a deep dive into it. So we're going to do, and this isn't even the deepest of dives, but we're going to do about as deep a dive as I can do in one segment on this on this show, right? Max protection. So when you hear the phrase max protection, that means eight blockers. So when you got eight blockers, you got a quarterback, that's nine of your 11 guys, which means you've only got two receivers out there. That is max protection. And max protection certainly works on occasion. You can't do it every single play, obviously, right? So that's the most you're going to get. You're going to start off with five minimum. You got your center, your two guards, your two tackles. So you got five blockers minimum on every play. The max you can add on to that is three, right? I mean, I guess you could add four, and certainly there are some, some situations where you see four. But when we say max protection, typically you're talking eight blockers. Okay. So the idea here is you go from five to eight and everything in between. So six, seven, and then eight, right? 
normal formations can help you do this in their protections, right? So 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. You get the pattern here, right? First number is the amount of running backs. The second number is the amount of tight ends. And all of those guys can become extra blockers. So you may not be in max protect as far as like a goal line situation goes with eight blockers. But if you're in 21 with two running backs and a tight end and you keep all three of those guys in the block while your two receivers go out for patterns, you're in max protect. It's just a different kind of look, right? So so hopefully that makes sense. Now, tight ends and running backs can become blockers. But the great thing about tight ends and running backs, they can also chip and release. So a chip block, you basically bump into the dude, whether it's deliberate, whether you're like, oh, I was just running around. I happen to run into you. However you want to do it and design it and scheme it up. That's basically what you're doing is you're giving your offensive lineman a little bit of help. You're delaying a pass rusher just a little bit by providing some extra contact. You release quick. If you're if you're not chipping and releasing, you can release quick or you can stay in completely to block all together. Those are your three options. Chip and release. So, boom, real quick, you help with the block. You get out in your pattern or you just go get in your pattern and you're just an extra receiver or you stay in completely and you become an extra blocker. The great thing about running backs and tight ends being added to this part of the scheme the defense doesn't really know what a player is going to do unless you have him do it 31 of the 33 times he's on the field. I'm just saying. So that gives you leverage as an offense, right? That, that the leverage that you have is that you know what's about to happen. The defense does not. So when you vary that a little bit, then it keeps the defense on their toes, keeps them from getting overly comfortable. Now you can also declare an extra offensive lineman eligible and kind of tip your hand that he's going to be a blocker because most of those extra offensive linemen are not going to run routes. They're not going to catch passes. But you trade that a little bit of here's a little bit of tipping my hand to get the even better protection. So you think 12 personnel, right? But Cornelius Lucas comes in as an eligible receiver. So he's basically lined up as a tight end. And then you got Logan Thomas out there sharing a two tight end set, one running back, two tight ends, 12 personnel. Could be a run. And you run behind that extra blocker. Maybe you run opposite that extra blocker, checking the defense uh, to stack too much on one side, the strong side of the formation. Or it could be a pass with an extra blocker, a sixth guy in Cornelius Lucas, who's also a tight end. Um, and we've also seen offenses, not for nothing, we've seen Eric Bianami offenses use an, an eligible lineman as a, as a tight end or as an eligible blocker, uh, receiver, additional blocker who blocks and then releases kind of like a chip uh, and tries to catch a play. Andrew Wiley uh, famously, you know, if you watch the documentary quarterbacks, the famous Pokemon play, Andrew Wiley, literally he wasn't the extra lineman, right? But there was an extra lineman on the field. Andrew Wiley blocked, then he released his block, went out as, as in a formation. He was the eligible receiver. Even if you're a tight end, when lined up in line and in line, for those who don't know, three-point stance, two-point stance attached to the offensive line. That's what they mean when they say in line. Even if your in-line tight end is running around from jump, having him out there will cause a natural delay for any edge rusher trying to get to the outside. And that allows, because they've got to run through or around that tight end, and that allows your offense to tackle on that side now to kick out a little bit faster, a little bit easier, knowing that the inside move is really not there for that guy. And so you kind of have that inside move. If they get to the outside, you already have a little bit of a head start because that guy's going to be delayed by that tight end. Whether they make hit contact or not, it's just the simple fact of having to navigate around another full-grown human being gives you a little bit of advantage. So simply having a tight end out there in line helps pass protection beyond protections via scheme and things like chip blocks and, and all that stuff. You also have mobile quarterbacks now in, in today's NFL game. They help prevent protection breakdowns, right? Because they can move the ball. What we're seeing from Sam Howell right now, he's not the most mobile quarterback, but he is certainly a mobile quarterback. What we're seeing from him right now that hurts him is he's waiting too long. And by the time he decides to try to escape, his avenues of escape are either gone 
or they're closing very, very quickly for him to really get out of there and doing anything with it uh, by the time he chooses to tuck and run. So mobile quarterbacks can allow you to roll the pocket as well. That works because it essentially eliminates half your pass rush for about two to three seconds as they run from one side of the formation to the other, trying to catch up with the rollout. And it makes it for the it makes it easier for the offensive line to facilitate the blocking because if it's done right, you've got four or five offensive linemen engaging two or three pass rushers on the rollout side of the play while the backside defenders are running free, but they're also trying to chase a quarterback across the entire side uh, of the field. Now, the key to that is the guys who are blocking the pass rushers that are coming, you have to block them, number one. Number two, the quarterback has to understand you only have a limited time because those backside rushers are probably not blocked. Therefore, they're not they're not going to stop coming at you until they get to you. So you cannot, cannot, cannot hold on to the ball. So you got that part of the game that you can use to help this offensive line and pass pro. You also have the quick pass game, screens, bubble screens, slants, drags, sprint outs to the left or the right. The less time a quarterback needs, the less time the offensive line has to block. That's pretty simple, right? Shorter quarterbacks now have a natural disadvantage for the, the quick pass game. And Sam Howell is listed at six foot one. So there, there's a little bit of an issue there. We've seen some passes get tipped at the line of scrimmage, deflected, things like that. So again, what you really kind of like, and we've seen this in some of Eric Bianami's play designs, is the rollout along with the quick pass, whether it be a drag, a sprint out, something like that, uh, to get Sam Howell away from those taller defensive linemen, get him out on the edge, and get him a clean angle to that short receiver. So that's another combination of two things, right? Then there's finally running the football. When a team runs the football effectively, they can impact the pass rush because there's the old adage that says, run defense is what happens when you're on your way to the quarterback. Well, the spirit of that means that pass rushing is what you're always doing. Run defense is only what you do once the quarterback doesn't have the ball, then it's time to go hunt the ball. But basic human instinct will tell a defender, if we're getting killed by the run game, we're going to then make a bigger impact or a bigger effort to stop the run game. And this is where play action then comes in. For play action to work, there has to be a threat of the run, either perceived or established. Right now, the commanders haven't established themselves as a running threat enough to come into any game with a perceived, predetermined play action advantage. For example, Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns, and I know it's a bad time to use Nick Chubb's name, but he's one of the best in the league for a reason. Because of his ability and because the Browns are willing to let Nick Chubb do his thing uh, against opponents, they can come into a game, run play action on the first play of the game, and it's going to work to a certain level. Right now, the more they impact the run game or more they impact the game in the run uh, with Nick Chubb during the game, the better it'll work, right? You can almost kind of come in right from Jump Street and say, boom, we're going to hit you a play action right off the bat because that's how good Nick Chubb is. Washington doesn't have that. And as we've discussed, they've never really tried to establish the run game enough within a single game to really make the play action super effective. Now, running Brian Robinson Jr. 10 times, calling passes 10 times with him on the field is potentially effective. That's a 50-50 play call split. The defenders don't know if you're running. They don't know if you're passing. But when you consider the commanders use play action 13 times total against the Bills, it's unlikely that the majority of those were with Brian Robinson on the field. Instead, a good amount of those play actions came when Antonio Gibson was on the field for those 33 snaps, and he only ran the ball twice. So how effective is play action when you're only using the running back that you're using play action with on the, in the, on the ground game twice? That would not be an effective use of play action because there's no threat with AG running because of, of the amount of times he's carrying the ball. Now, his yards per carry was great, but he only ran the ball twice. That's not going to establish a threat. As for screens, Sports Info Solutions counted one screen pass by the commanders against the Buffalo Bills. Furthermore, there was only one design rollout as well. And when it came to adding additional protection, Washington used 11 personnel almost exclusively. 
running 43 plays from one back, one tight end formations, and they only use 12 personnel 12 times. And we're just getting started on the 11 versus 12 personnel conversation. I'm going to wrap up that part of this conversation. Then we've got another part of this conversation to have to wrap up this mailbag episode coming up on this episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Jace Medical and is brought to you by the fact that you should never be caught unprepared. Jace Medical is here to help you make sure you have five life-saving antibiotics on hand for emergency use if ever you should need them. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is you fill out a simple online form. In some cases, jump on a quick call with a Jace Medical board-certified physician. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, whether it's natural disasters, pandemics, or just simply traveling, whether it's you or your doctor. One Jace case user named Frank wrote in a report that said, quote, easy as one, two, three, and just in time, I received our package the same day I got a sinus infection and my doctor was out of town. No appointment for days. Thank goodness it arrived, end quote. So it doesn't have to be the end of the world for the Jace case to be effective, but there's storms, shortages, pandemics, whatever there is, you need to be prepared now more than ever. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to the medication you need, you actually have it in hand. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand, save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off using the promo code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, wrapping up this mailbag episode again. Got multiple questions about how scheme and design can help a struggling pass protection uh effort like the Washington commanders have. It's not the offensive line alone. It's not the quarterback alone. It's not the tight ends running backs alone. It's a group effort, but they're struggling. So we've already talked about some ways that the Washington commanders could help themselves by personnel packages, by play designs, all of these things. Right. But we've already also looked at the fact that rollouts are effective. They only used one against Buffalo screens are effective. They only use one against Buffalo adding personnel is effective. They use 11 personnel almost exclusively and only use 12 personnel, so adding a second tight end eight times in the entire game. In fact, of Sam Howell's 29 pass attempts, 26 of them came from 11 personnel packages, one running back, one tight end. 17 of those 26 were completed passes, 20 of them were catchable, and he was sacked nine times. He threw four interceptions, and he was pressured 19 of the 36 times he dropped back in 11 personnel. Think about that. All nine sacks. 19 of the pressures, all four interceptions, all came in 11 personnel, according to Sports Info Solutions. Powell had just three dropbacks in 12 personnel. He was two for three for 30 yards, no sacks, no interceptions, and he was pressured twice, but he was able to get the ball out to a tight end, to a receiver, whatever it was, and he gained 15 yards per completion in the process. All of the four, out of all of the formations that he threw out of, 
or the 11 and 12 were the only formations he threw out of. He didn't throw out once at a 20 personnel, two running backs, no tight ends, no 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, 22, 13, 10, nothing. Only 11, only 12. And again, Antonio Gibson was in on 33 snaps and 31 of them were passes. Washington basically against the Buffalo Bills did next to nothing to disguise what they were doing from a functional standpoint. And even though Sam Howell was getting killed in 11 personnel, kept running with that personnel group. Not running, kept passing with that personnel group. So what can Washington do to help the offensive line, help the pass protection? Not that. Okay, that's about the opposite of what you could do. What did Buffalo do that Washington didn't do? Bill, one of my insiders, asked via text message. Well, Bill and everybody else, everydayers, remember how I told you last week the Buffalo had used 12 personnel almost exclusively in the 2023 NFL season? Weeks one, week two, Buffalo ran out of 12 personnel almost the entirety of the of the first two weeks. And I say ran, I mean running plays, not running plays, but running uh, plays just in general, right? Pass plays, run plays, whatever it was. That was a true stat. Well, in week three, they used 11 personnel 33 times and 12 personnel 22 times. So after using 12 personnel almost exclusively the first two weeks, they actually used 11 personnel more against Washington than they did 12 personnel. Why? Because they had a 32% success rate in 12 personnel and a 52% success rate in 11 personnel against Washington. So what they did is this crazy thing where they used what works. Sounds simple, but unfortunately, sometimes it's actually not that simple. Buffalo also used motion on 65% of their plays, which helps the quarterback identify coverages and blitzes. They used play action 21 times and they ran the ball or they ran 13 RPO plays uh, as well. All of those are more than the Washington use, despite the fact that Buffalo has a veteran quarterback. So they use all these things to help their quarterback, while the team that has the lesser experienced quarterback use all of those things much, much less. Also, I had a question about the commanders doing things in practice to help Sam learn to speed up. And I'm just going to point out to you a comment that, that Ron Rivera made earlier last week when he told us that in practice they would continue following practice sacks because he wanted receivers to learn what Sam Howell would do when scrambling, which makes sense. The problem is if you practice holding on to the ball too much, you eventually teach holding on to the ball too much. I hate practice sacks. Every day as you're going to remember this, it goes back to every senior bowl. I talk about this, whether a quarterback is willing to take practice sacks or not. I hate practice sacks because you, if you practice playing through sacks, you're practicing something you can't execute. A quarterback cannot scramble after being sacked. So it makes no sense to me to practice what a quarterback might do after he got sacked. Because he can't do it. So those are some of the things that can change. Will they? That's another question I got from more than one person uh, as well. I got some insiders. Fran, specifically one of my insiders, said, unless their game plan changes next week, we're in store for more of the same. Do you think EB recognizes this and will modify his game plan accordingly? So does EB recognize it? Yeah, he's got the same data that I do. He's got even more data than I do. So he knows it. He sees it. It's, It's in front of him. Will it change? So the easy answer I can say is, Yes, they can change. Could it change? Absolutely, it could change. Will it? I don't know. Could the Washington Commanders beat the Philadelphia Eagles on the ground like they did last year? Yeah, they could. Will they? I don't know. The Eagles have the NFL's fourth best pass or rush run defense right now uh, in yards per carry this season. But even that, even the fourth best yards per carry defense this season is giving up 3.02 yards per carry. Not a successful carry rate because remember, first down run, it to be successful on first and 10 has to be at least four yards. So it's not really a successful carry rate, but it's close. It's less than a yard away. Meanwhile, Washington is running the ball 4.98 yards per play, which is the third best in the National Football League. 
How you only run the ball 12 times in one game? I don't know. So what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Well, let's find out. That's what I want to find out. I want to find out when the number three rushing attack per carry goes up against the number four rush defense per carry, who wins? What happens? There's only one way to find out. The mean of those two numbers on each side of this competition is four yards. Well, four yards on first down is a successful play, right? It turns into second and six. Four yards on second and six is, is a successful play. Four yards on third and two is a successful play. Now, of course, you can't run every single play, and you're not going to gain four yards every single run. But we've already established 12 personnel so far this season is the best package for Sam Howell to throw out of. Well, Brian Robinson is also averaging 5.2 yards per carry out of 12 personnel. Antonio Gibson is averaging eight yards per carry out of 12 personnel, only two carries though. And Chris Rodriguez has three carry or three has gained three yards on his one carry out of 12 personnel running out of 11 personnel. And B Rob's average drops to 4.8 yards, which is still pretty good, but it's half a yard less. Uh, Antonio Gibson's average drops to 3.8 yards, which is not near anywhere near as good. And Chris Rodriguez's average drops from three yards to two yards. So everybody's doing well or better out of 12 personnel. The moral of the story here, boys and girls, use more 12 personnel and run the ball. That is how the Washington Panthers can help this pass protection. That is how the Washington Panthers can help Sam Howell not get sacked nine times in one week. And I don't know if it's going to happen. That's the biggest question. Is it going to happen? Well, in week one, Washington used 11 personnel 72% of the time, and they used 12 personnel 22% of the time. In week two, they used 11 personnel 74% of the time and 12 personnel 23% of the time. In week three, they used 11 personnel 84% of the time and 12 personnel 16% of the time. Brian Robinson's snaps have gone down each week this season. And in each week, the Washington Commanders have either won by shrinking margins or ultimately lost a game. Now, I'm not saying that Brian Robinson is the key to winning every single game. Put Brian Robinson in, boom, you're going to win. But right now, he is the most effective player on the field on this offense. And he's the most effective when he's coming out of 12 personnel packages, just like your quarterback is. The numbers say, no, it's not going to change because it didn't change week one. It didn't change week two. It didn't change week three. So the numbers say, no, it's not. But Ron Rivera said after the loss, and this is something that stood out to me in the moment and stands out to me now. He said after the loss, the immediate post-game press conference, the team is going to take some time to look at everything they're doing to make sure they're doing the right things. And I'm paraphrasing. And I know a lot of people thought he was talking about Sam Howell. A lot of people thought, are we doing the right things, man? Are we starting the right quarterback? But I'm hoping, especially after looking at all these numbers, especially after the experience that this team and Ron Rivera himself went through with Scott Turner, who refused to change his methods, despite the fact that they were clearly not working last season, that maybe... He was, t- he was talking about looking at the offensive approach from a schematic formational usage uh, way and, and looking at the way the offense was be, is being orchestrated to find out if there's not an instrument or two that this band is not using effectively. If it changes, then Brian Robinson should get no fewer than 15 carries. Terry McLaurin should get no fewer than 12 targets. Four or five of those are probably going to come in the screen game. Jahan Dotson should get no fewer than eight targets. Again, Two or three of those, probably screens, drags, quick slants. Oh, and put Chris Rodriguez in the game. Put Chris Rodriguez and Antonio Gibson in the backfield together. Motion Antonio Gibson out into a receiver position and make the defense declare themselves by stacking the box against Chris, leaving you open on the perimeter with AG and your other receivers, or running a guy out of the box with AG and then let Chris Rodriguez go in there and pound them. Please, please do something to that effect. Don't have time for the accountability question, unfortunately, because... This was a lot of information that I just jumped off 
with these mailbag questions. But I will lead off Friday's episode with the accountability question. Who is accountable for the pressures? Sneak peek, everybody. And everybody is taking accountability. Coming up tomorrow, it's crossover Thursday. We're going to talk more Commanders football, but we're also going to talk Eagles football. In the meantime, if you got more questions for future mailbags, comments, just throw them down in the YouTube comment section. Hit me on Twitter or text me directly by becoming a lock insider at jointsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. As always, thank you so much for making locked on commanders your first listen of the day every day, every day. Or thanks for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.